0: You are listening to Aldrin Sampir on SAFM. We're in conversation next with Leanne Govansami, Head of Corporate Accountability and Transparency at the Centre for Environmental Rights. COP27 has concluded in Egypt with final decisions that have activists celebrating and despondent in equal measure. Uh, Joining us to unpack all the hits and misses in terms of what went down at COP27, Leanne Govansami now joining us on the line. Leanne, good afternoon and thank you so much for making time for us. Is the loss and damage fund a win?
1: Well, Aldrin, I think the loss and damage fund is a win um, in the sense that it has been established um, and there's a clear recognition of the impact of climate change that is ongoing, especially for those living in in, in highly vulnerable countries. Mm-hmm. However, it's yet to be seen um, how that fund and the various measures will be implemented. Um, you know, most governments, for example, have indicated general support for the loss and damage fund. Uh, but no meaningful commitments have actually been made. So I think the principle has been established and there's a lot of work to be done in terms of making sure that there's proper implementation. Mm
0: -hmm. So at this point, we don't even know what sort of criteria would be used um, for country, for instance, that would say that we have suffered loss uh, and damage as well, and therefore we feel that we should be compensated.
1: Look, I think over the next couple of months, this definition of Um, who is particularly vulnerable. Mm. So the definition of vulnerability is going to be a real point of contention. Um, And I think, you know, that is the work that is ahead of us right now Um, in terms of, you know, who will be considered for particular funding, um, etc. So I think, um, you know, ultimately, those kinds of issues, definitions, actual commitments, and civil society, both in South Africa and around the world, keeping a close eye on this and continuing to make really strong demands um, and, and input into the processes is going to be very important.
0: Mm-hmm. What do you make of what uh, the Fossil Fuel and Non-Proliferation Treaty Initiative said in their statement that uh, the 20, for the 27th time, the UN climate talks have failed to directly address the biggest drivers of a climate crisis, the production of gas, oil and coal?
1: Look, I think they're quite right in terms of saying, look, um, gas has, uh, g- gas and oil have not been excluded. Um, you know, the language that is being used in the current text um, refers to the phase down of unabated coal only, and not of oil and gas. You're looking at language like low emission and renewable energy um, kind of advancements, mm-hmm. right? So, low emission really just um, keeps. Uh, the door open for gas and for oil. And I think that is particularly problematic. I mean, you may have seen that there were probably the, the the largest number of um, you know fossil fuel lobbyists at the COP27 this year. Um, and there's a clear push by these lobbyists, um, even by demand in the global north for gas and for oil that has resulted in this kind of language. So I think it is highly problematic. Um, again, a great deal of work needs to be done around this Uh, and we'll have to look to the cop 28 to see how this could be reformed um but look you know we really are running out of time they refer to the text in the text to this being the real decade of action yeah um but you know uh, they're leaving the door open to a lot of um harmful fossil fuels like oil and gas
0: yeah and then there's also the part around looking at the biggest emitters um what commitment have come through from them let's let's speak about china for instance let's speak about the united states as well that says that this is what we believe we'll be able to do because we all recognize that we are dealing here with a problem a huge huge problem and considering the impact that this would have on countries or countries that are on the african continent
1: look i think that some of the biggest emitters in the world um you know have made some commitments in terms of even looking at the particular um, funding arrangements and looking at collaborations, uh, you know, with just energy transition partnerships around the world, etc. cetera. But, um, you know, it really isn't enough. Mm. Um, because whilst you let's, – let's take the U.S., for example, which is a participant in our Just Energy Transition yeah. Partnership. Whilst you're making various commitments to uh, provide particular financing into JPs around the world – you're not necessarily uh, making sure that your your own commitments um, mm-hmm. are really robust, you know, are in line with science science-based targets, um, or that you're actually setting the pace for some of the the, the 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 real phase down that we want to see happen uh, in very particular timeframes. So I think you know there is a bit of hypocrisy from some of the biggest emitters because. Um, they're they're primarily focused on what development, economic growth means for their countries um, and are trying to support other vulnerable countries. But in a way, I think that creates some kind of hypocrisy. And we do want to see uh, much better and much more improved commitments from them in particular.
0: Mm -hmm. And a final one. Last week, we had a conversation with the ambassador, the U.S. ambassador to South Africa. And one of the issues that I raised was around the details around um, the financing. And seemingly, he didn't have much details around it. But let's speak about the transparency around um, how financing would work, for instance, even with the Just Transition um, partnership as well. Also taking into consideration that on the one end you have our president that's saying that um, the money that you're currently giving is not enough, but of course there has been the pledge around the eight point I think it's eight point five billion rand dollars rather um, that ha- that has been given. But however, though, the transparency around that.
1: Look, Alden, I think ultimately you know the JP. The, the Just Energy Transition investment plan uh, was released to civil society and public just before um, the South African delegation headed off to the COP27, right? And so there has been limited transparency in respect of, um, you know, what those numbers are. But when we finally received them in that investment plan, what's quite clear is that out of the $8.5 billion that has been committed, um, there's about 4% of grant financing, mm. um, 65% concessional, the rest uh, mainly commercial, commercial loans and guarantees. And we in civil society are saying, look, we really need to understand these numbers in a lot more detail. Um, we need to be able to track them going forward, make sure there's proper implementation of projects that are being financed. Um, what's really interesting um, and something that emerged from the COP27 is the role of multilateral development banks. Mm. um because you know the the one thing that has been agreed to that I think is really excellent is that there's a renewed call for the reform of the global finance architecture um so yes there are a number of things that have have gone have gone wrong with our our JP process itself uh, but it has resulted in something <clears throat> and when you look at this reform of the of the global financial architecture what that means is that we potentially have an opportunity to address the debt. That could arise um, from the JDP. You know, this is what the president is saying. Yeah. He's saying um, we want better financing terms. This four percent of grant financing is way too little, um, and multilateral development banks have to play a part, play a role in reforming um, how they engaging in in granting these loans, um, and that's something that. Is a good outcome of the COP27 that now we will embark on the process to be able to do that, and that has an implications for our GDP as well.
0: Leanne, thank you so much for your timely end. Sami is the head of corporate accountability and transparency at the Centre for Environmental Rights.